politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow beleaguered American patriots and Minutemen guarding our liberty at a minute's notice. This is Daniel Horowitz here at CR Podcast. Um, Folks, I'm telling you, a lot of you are signing up for our Liberty Strike Force teams. We are growing this Minuteman movement by the day. And speaking of Minuteman, what is a Minuteman? What is a Liberty Strike Force team? A lot of you have been asking about that. And what it simply is, is to have a group of several dozen patriots, maybe even mushrooming to hundreds, but starting off with a few dozen in each state, where you could fight for the issues that matter at the time they matter, in the way they matter, in your local area and your state. And what that means is that we don't have these standing, expensive, conservative organizations that cost millions of dollars, and they fight these broad legacy issues like life and guns in the abstract, but don't really do anything specifically And then when we are confronted with a fight for our survival, they have nothing to say. So this is a matter of, boom, Biden has open borders. What could we do in our state legislatures and our counties to demand they take action that both pushes back against this mechanically in terms of policy, but also creates an inflection moment with messaging and a united sense of purpose, cross county line, cross state line. So if the issue is COVID fascism, we fight that. If the issue is Biden keeping National Guardsmen of various states in D.C. illegally, it's that issue. If it's crime and self-defense laws, we'll focus on that. Here are the action items. Here are the legislative ideas. Basically, what I've been doing for years As those of you who have been with me for a long time know, this is what we can do by a factor of a million if we have each and every one of you armed with the facts and a group organization at a local level to affect the change, to message the stuff in the media and social media, to pressure your local officials, and to even run for office at a local and state level. That at its core is what a Liberty Strike Force team will do. A Minuteman is an individual member. And I'm going to explain why I feel we need this based on what I'm observing in the states. And why we need it now because we have a government that has lost all sense of legitimacy more so than ever before. First, a word from our sponsor today. One of the ways we're going to fight back, one of the action items is to create a parallel economy, to cancel the cancelers. AT&T, Verizon, your uh, mobile carrier, whether it's T-Mobile, whatever it is, I'm telling you, they are part of the cancel culture and they are donating to leftists. There is just one Christian conservative wireless provider in America, and that is Patriot Mobile. They have just expanded their coverage dramatically, and that makes it a lot easier for more Americans to dump those big-name carriers, charge way too much, and donate to the left. Plus, you could switch with confidence because now you could use the same networks as the large providers but keep your phone number, or you could buy a new phone. You could create bundles, multi-line discounts. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. I guarantee you, you'll get someone who speaks English there. 972 Patriot, veterans and first responders save even more. This month, get pre uh, get free p- premier activation where they set up the phone for you and a special gift with the offer code CR. So that's patriotmobile.com slash CR, patriotmobile.com slash CR, offer code CR, or call their hotline 972 Patriot. Make sure to mention CR. Now, folks, what am I talking about? Let's say I started a million-dollar pro-life organization just to agitate for that. And now we have millions of lives being destroyed and really hundreds of thousands of lives that will be lost 
due to the mental and physical health crisis created from COVID fascism? What about the pro-life cause of masking children? I'm not going to get off that issue because I can't think of anything more radical. Think back to just one to five years ago when we thought, man, what if the left ever obtained full power or the phony right gave them full power and they had a free lane to do whatever they wanted? What do you think they would do? I'll be honest with you. I could never have conjured up something more demonic than masking children in school for seven hours a day. But that is now a universal premise, policy in every single state and almost every county of every red state. And even the ones claiming to get rid of the mask mandate, they're not getting rid of it in its most satanic form in schools, which is just bizarre. So what I mean by a Liberty Strike Force team is a year ago, we could have never envisioned having to deal with this issue. We need standing organizations that will battle whatever the battle is at the moment. This has been my problem in professional politics for many years that, you know, we could have our mansion burnt down and they're still focused on the garden. They're focused on their legacy issues. Oh, uh, Daniel, I don't have the research on this. I don't feel comfortable engaging on that issue. Well, you have to engage. I never envisioned a year ago we would be battling this, but now we are. And it's got to stop. So you need a group in your state, and and hopefully it gets large enough that you could create subcommittee, division of labor. And again, this is something I do not have the time and bandwidth to do in all 50 states. You're going to have to have a team leader in each state that's going to be willing to organize it, or you'll have several people working together to organize 20, 30, 50 people. And you divide up the division of labor there, obviously. And some people are going to pressure their state legislators to introduce and pass legislation banning this. Some of you will go to your county commissioners and your school board officials. Some will print up a fact sheet. I mean, we put out reams of research. I'm going to talk about a little bit more research now on this. Some are going to go on your local talk show hosts, name names of people in the school board, a superintendent who's continuing the mass mandates. That's what it means to fight at a local level on a civilization issue. And, and that playbook can and should be replicated on numerous issues. Numerous issues. But this is an issue for which we can't move off of. Now, I will tell you, there is a terrific group in North Dakota that has gotten off the ground, and we're going to partner with them. That's going to be our North Dakota Liberty Strike Force team. There's already several dozen people signed up for it. And they already have a mailing list of 900 people in the state. And their first issue, of course, is the mask mandate. There is a bill in North Dakota that passed the House to prohibit all localities from forcing masks on children, on unemployment. And there's going to be a big fight in the Senate and with the governor. Tammy and Kristen, two of our three uh, industrial hygienists we have on the show, are going to give um, are going to meet with lawmakers there. They're uh, nice enough to spend their time and money to go go up to North Dakota. So if you are in North Dakota, you're going to want to go to conaction.network. And again, I promise you, we have two terrific volunteers that are creating an amazing, beautiful website. So just bear with me with the WordPress website for now. And um, give us your information. Tell us about you. And you'll be connected to Amber, who is our North Dakota leader there. So that's really the first state we're getting off the ground there's some terrific conservative uh, lawmakers in the House and Senate there. They're obviously not in the majority, but this is how you make their voices the majority. You work with those good members. They'll help give you information, and the group will help buttress their efforts and pressure the rest of the members to act accordingly. 
So this is just a little bit about our Minutemen movement, uh, Constitution Action Network, ConAction.network for now, and our Liberty Strike Force teams. And some states, we might form several teams divided up based on issue, based on geography, strategy, especially in the larger states. Again, you know, you can't create a national movement overnight without a paid staff. So this is tough. Um, I appreciate a lot of you guys willing to offer, willing to donate. Um, we're not really looking to collect massive amounts of money because we we don't have paid salaries. Um, I mean, look, if this becomes amazingly successful and has results, we might have to eventually hire someone, but I wouldn't do that before we have results. For now, it's just kind of paying for the website and some tech security, things like that. Um, so I first got to get incorporated and then obviously set up some sort of way of capturing those donations. So right now, I don't have that ability, but I'll tell you when we do get that set up. But masking of children. I want to demonstrate how demonic our government is. We have a government that is capable of criminalizing the face of children created in the image of God, the breathing of children. But evidently, we don't have a government capable of stopping invaders at our border. And that's really what we've been talking about the last number of days. We're going to go over some stuff on masking. These are some good talking points if you're creating your own state group. There's a study from 2011 on face mask use by children during infectious disease outbreaks. And in certain parts of the world, this wasn't novel. Doing so with, with such a degree of fervorance without exception for so long is novel. But, you know, the idea was tried before. And they talk about a child's respiratory system is not merely a miniaturization of an adult's. Significant differences exist that can be affected by the use of protective face masks. Kids have amazing immune systems that we all agree work so well against this particular virus. What are we doing to weaken them with the face masks? And then there's the developmental stuff. They know children have difficulty communicating in various forms of pocket face mask and may not be able to readily notify others when they are having difficulties related to their wear. They said that face masks can be attributed to such factors as lack of acclimatization, increases in breathing resistance, physical discomfort, facial heat, skin irritation, psychogenic factors like anxiety and claustrophobia. Have we ever thought about that? Sensory issues. So this is the thing. And they note that no one ever really studied the physical and emotional impact of wearing masks for kids. This is really important. And um, one, one point nobody's talking about is what does it do to the development of children as young as two and three that you rear them into schooling through a premise of, you are a threat to me. Every human being around you is a potential threat, and you all have to walk around with these scaring-looking face covers. Constantly walking around in an environment of persistent fear and anxiety, what does that do to them? What does that do, do to them? Well, there's actually an interesting paper from Harvard that discusses this. And um, this was a working paper of the National Scientific Council on, on the Developing Child. It's a fascinating um, paper I saw online, and it was put out in 2010. Harvard University. Persistent fear and anxiety can affect young children's learning and development. Very interesting um, study if you want to Google it. And they note that 
science shows that early exposure to circumstances that produce persistent fear and chronic anxiety can have lifelong consequences by disrupting the development the, the developing architecture of the brain. This is the important thing. See, adults are developed already, not just physically, but but emotionally to a certain extent, and um, their brain development. What do you do when you take children? And you mask them. Everyone's like, oh, look, they're used to it fine. They've been doing it all year. That's the problem. Yeah, you could get used to it physically through discomfort. What does it do to their brain? Unbelievable how nobody's talking about this. Nobody's talking about this. And there's just so much more where this came from. Again, we have that German study of 26,000 children and adolescents. 53% report headaches. 50% report difficulty concentrating. Decreased happiness. Impaired learning fatigue. How do we do this when there's no evidence of any problems with children? I mean, we talked about this with the studies from Sweden and Norway, where they had no deaths among school children and no evidence of, of any greater uh, number of cases among the faculty than they had in you know the same age and health status in the community. And, and in Scandinavia, they, they, they don't wear masks, not just in, Nor- in Sweden, but in Norway as well. What about social referencing? Where children look for cues from adults. They learn based off of their their facial expressions, their emotive expressions. I mean, these are big things, and you have all these, you know, you know, Harvard child developmental people, and they're all a bunch of leftists. And suddenly, their heart turns to stone. Their supposed soft heart, their bleeding heart, turns to stone now. They're nowhere to be seen because this is a religion. They are more religious about this burqa than Muslims are in the year 2021. It is truly disgusting. I want to read to you from a terrific letter, terrific letter written by an anonymous mother in the UK Telegraph. Reporter Jack Rear transcribed it. Why I'm refusing to send my child to school with a face mask. And I really identify with this because, you know, I sent my kids to private school and in Maryland is, I think, it has the lowest percentage of kids in school, even lower than California. Maybe it's on par with Hawaii, but it's definitely the bottom two. But, you know, starting in September, the private schools were able to open, but that wasn't called opening. And, and this is the beauty of what's going on right now with this Overton window, how we acculturate ourselves to a new normal. So the left goes and they just do something immoral beyond belief. And the right, phony right, indulges it. And then they're like, wow, you know what? Kids can now go back to school. So they're so desperate in the private schools to go back to school that now they're able to do it, especially with the public schools still out of school. Oh, okay, I'll do it. I don't care if they have to wear a mask. And now I guarantee you, all my friends and whatever that are bought into this, I'm the only one I know that pulled my kids out from this school. There's a couple others that did, but the impression I get, it's mainly financial, that they were scared of the whole quarantine game and the shutdown game of, you know, one kid's uncle's cousin's dog had an asymptomatic case, so you shut down the class. They didn't want to sit and pay a private school tuition to get shut down like you did last year. But very few were, I mean, they didn't like the mask. It's like, ho-hum, I got a life to live. So anyway... Here's what the the mother said, as was the case for so many parents. My 14-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son went back to school yesterday. Where they might differ from most children is that I've written to their schools to ask that they be exempt from mask wearing in classrooms. I saw the measure to to close schools as a disproportionate mitigation, and I feel the same about reopening them with children forced to wear face coverings. You know how people sometimes have a problem with a tag and a garment that they have to cut off? My son has sensory issues like that, but with things on his face. He's never used napkins and hasn't used tissues all his life. 
So wearing masks is not a great thing for him. I also have a nephew with autism, and I feel for those people who haven't been thought of. It's been heralded as an easy thing, a low-cost measure. It's just a piece of cloth. But while masks are uncomfortable for most of us, for people with sensory issues, they're really terrible and miserable. When I asked my son what he thought about the new guidelines, he replied, if it's a choice between more home learning and wearing masks in class, then it's a choice between two equally, equally bad options. On his first day in his new sixth form in September, he was chased down the corridor by the head of maths and shouted at for not wearing a mask. After that, he asked me to write he, after that, he asked me right in with an exemption request. The school did accept it, although they first said that we need medical proof, but it's no different from children than it is for adults. You don't need to show anyone a GP certificate, so the school accepted that. Mind you, folks, this is in the UK, where they're not even as crazy as here. I also wrote to them last week to say he would need to be exempt for wearing one in class from this week. But that still leaves a significant problem of peer pressure and the fear of standing out. For anyone, that's difficult. But when you're a teenager, there's so much more pressure to conform. He says he feels like a pariah. There's a more general anxiety that's forcing children to wear masks in school will cause. In many families, people are so afraid of COVID that parents are washing groceries. One of my daughter's friends has a mother who quarantines the food in a garage for three days. The real fear and anxiety at home gets into the children. You tell them that they need to wear masks because otherwise they'll kill their granny. And then you test them three times before school starts and it instills in them a form of germophobia. And health anxiety is a real thing. Getting, getting rid of the mask would help people get back to normal. While they're mandated, people will continue to feel mistrustful of fellow humans as though they are walking biohazards instead of human beings. I've done a lot of research on this. I've read a lot of studies, and I'm convinced that the evidence for masks in schools is weak. And she goes through that. Obviously, it's, I mean, I would disagree with her. It's not weak. It's even worse than that. And, um, you know, she ends up by saying, I know that many parents will disagree with me. I wrote to 28 parents at my daughter's school about the issue, and most said, while they weren't totally in favor, they'd cut their left arm off to get their kids back in school, so they'll put up with asking them to wear masks. I think that's the attitude of a lot of parents right now. They'll accept almost anything that a year ago we would have reacted to just because being at a school has been so damaging. But where's the line? When you start making compromises on masks and testing, what else will you make a compromise on? How much do we have to compromise for our children's right to an education? At some point, you have to say enough is enough. Again, that's in the UK Daily Telegraph, why I'm refusing to send my child to school with a face mask. And again, that is in the UK, where they're actually, at least in some places, making exceptions. In most places in America, I'm not even hearing about that. So, the reason why I think that's important is because you're watching right now all of these... Um, you know, all these governors that are basically saying, hey, look, you know, now's the time to go back. We're going to lift restrictions. This is, you know, we're, we're doing better. We're not all there. But 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 all of our mitigation efforts are working. And basically, basically, this is happening even in, in blue states. It's not just the red states. I mean, look, in my state of Maryland, Lockdown Larry just said bars and, and restaurants could totally go back to normal. Okay? Could totally go back to normal. That's great, right? But notice the one thing they say is the mask will continue. And I warned about it. I've been warning for months. They will never let it go. The stupid Republicans, again, whenever the fight is A, they're fighting B. When it's C, they're fighting B. They're like, schools have to open. Schools have to open. Ah, businesses. They, we won that battle already. I mean, at, at a very high cost, they milked it as far as they can get. Democrats are in charge now, so they can't saddle them with the economic melees. So they'll open. 
But the mask is the way that they permanently get submission out of us and maintain their control over us. And it's the way they continue the psychosis of everyone fearing each other and fearing the virus and therefore being receptive to whatever they tell us next on this and many other issues. This is the battle of our time. We never thought it would have happened. But you got to put the fi- the water where the fire is. you got to send the firefighters to where the fire is. And that is what I want to do. There's a lot of good organizations out in various states that deal with this issue here and there. But I feel like we need standing groups in, in at least all the states that are red somewhat where we could at least pressure and influence them and you know those that are concerned about what Republican voters think about them, conservative voters, to be ready at a minute's notice to fight for whatever issue they throw at us. God knows what they're going to throw at us next. And it's going to come very suddenly. They're going to have some sort of racial thing, some George Floyd thing, some January 6th thing at the Capitol, or a COVID thing. It could be anything. And poof, our liberties are gone. Don't think they couldn't do anything to us. Again, what is more draconian, invasive, and tyrannical than muffling someone's mouth? Think about it. Criminalizing your existence. What could be worse than that? Folks, I'm going to say something very controversial for our side I think those of you who have heard me for a long time will get where I'm headed with right away. Some of you might bristle at the first sound of this. But I'm going to tell you, at the moment we live in, I don't give a darn about the life and gun issues. Okay, now that you recovered from the shock of that, let me explain myself. I'm surveilling broadly what Republican legislatures are doing. And broadly speaking, they have failed in almost every state to pass through both houses swiftly something definitively dealing with the issues of our time. The one thing I'm seeing that they're doing definitively in some states is uh, you know, banning abortion after eight weeks or something or 12 weeks and then constitutional carry. And I want to go through both of those issues one by one. The life issue and the gun issue are becoming loincloths for phony rhino dirtbag Republicans to keep conservative voters voting for them while delivering us into the hands of the left on any issue of the moment. There's long-term critical care issues and there's triage issues. The legacy issues are at a standstill. With life, it's at a standstill. You're either going to fight judicial supremacism or you won't. If you don't, those bills are meaningless because they, they go to the courts. And, and to this day, Mississippi's bill has been enjoined and the Supreme Court refuses to take Mississippi's appeal from the lower courts. And they'll continue to do so, by the way. That's the thing with the life issue. If you're not going to fight judicial supremacy, it's a dead issue. That's number one. Number two, and, and again, this might rub some people the wrong way. But... Let me see how to say this. I, I, I feel I don't have the luxury to even care about that issue anymore. And what I mean is they've come for our lives. I can't evangelize other people not to murder their own babies when they're murdering my children, when they're masking my children, when they're destroying the mental health of my children. That's the issue I got to deal with. And again, to a certain extent, you could walk and chew gum at the same time. I'm all for fighting on numerous issues at once. That's my whole brand. But my point is, they're using that at the expense of everything else. Hey, look, look, I passed the pro-life bill. It's not our people getting abortions. Okay? Frankly, they're killing off their own voters. Now, I don't mean to say, you know, murder's murder. I mean to say I'm happy about that and want that. But I have no problem going before God and say, look, I tried to do what I can. I stopped them. They didn't let me and they, you know, killed their own people. What do you want? What more could I do? But this affects our ability to live. We don't have the ability to be a sanctuary 
a temple to radiate and project out to others in the era we live in. Has to be more like Noah's Ark. We're just saving ourselves. That, that is my personal belief at the juncture in history we live in. We are drowning ourselves. We cannot live with liberty to the point where you can't send your own child to school breathing. Okay? You know, at some point, you got to stop with those legacy issues and fight what's in front of you. Then there's the gun issue. All these rhino states like Indiana. Indiana, there's like almost nobody good in that legislature. Terrible rhinos. The governor is, is a leftist beyond belief. Holcomb. And he's a mask masochist. Total masochist. You know, my buddy Steve Dace had a, a show today, uh, this week he did on toxic masculinity. So that's another way of uh, parsing that. But anyway, this is a big problem. This, you, you understand they are saying that a human being's existence is a threat to someone else, even if they're not positive, even if they don't do anything wrong. That is the ultimate pro-life issue of our time, and it's not a long-standing issue. It's a here and now. You have to stuff in the hole. I mean, well, the ship sailed, but... You got to fight it now. It's not that in the past we haven't had terrible acts of government, but we've never had it this systemically on this number of issues for this long with no blowback. But again, I mean, government has done that before. Buck v. Bell, it was a 1927 decision on forced sterilization. Virginia had a statute sterilizing people they believed were feeble minded. Um, 1927, Supreme Court upheld the statute. Actually, it wasn't repealed till 1974. So believe me, there is nothing they can't do. That is the ultimate pro-life issue. But in Indiana, they are full bore COVID fascism. Indiana is literally not a not even a hair. Better than my state of Maryland. Same thing. Unbelievable. But you know what? They passed constitutional carry. Not just anyone could carry with a license. Anyone could carry without a license. That's pretty hardcore. I, I agree with it. I like it. But I'm just saying, like, if I don't want Republicans pick what it's like taxes and guns and they keep priming that pump and they use that to distract people. And it's like, here's the deal. If I had to take a hundred issues, how much they affect our lives, and how far we are from the constitutional design on them. Every issue, we are light years away from where we should be constitutionally. Guns, frankly, we're right about at 1789. I mean, if you're in blue states, there's nothing you can do. I mean, there, you have the tyranny. It's just, you know, fighting in the courts, and the courts have given us nothing because the left, unlike the right in the red states... If the Supreme Court says something they don't like, they just do what they want anyway in blue states. But in the red states, I mean, you could you could parse a couple of other things you want to do legislatively, but gun rights are pretty robust. Our right to breathe for children as young as two are not on the chopping block. They are already cut off. Arkansas just passed a... I forget if it's, um, I'm forgetting what the bill was to ban abortions after eight weeks. It was pretty early. And again, the courts, uh, the, the, you'll have an injunction on that in minutes. And they'll listen to it too. But the same governor, oh, he's getting rid of the mask mandate at the end of the month. No, he's not. The school, all, almost all the schools in Arkansas are requiring it. I want to give you a sense of what could have been. What could have been. So you now have in Texas where the Austin School District just announced that they are going to continue to require masks. Not just the school district. I mean the city. I mean everywhere. 
So first of all, I just want to make a side point that, again, notice how even when we have the governorship, they have no problem. They have a school superintendent, a county commissioner, a mayor. Screw you. We're doing what we want. Yet we can't even get in a red county within a red state what we want. And again, that speaks to the need for these strike force teams. But the opposite of Austin is Parker County. Parker County, Texas, that's to the west of um, Fort Worth. Very conservative area. And this is the difference of what it means to have someone who's a school superintendent that is a patriot versus a despot. And this is what should have happened. We should have easily a thousand Parker counties. And when I say a thousand, because a thousand is, if you take the top thousand counties that Trump won, Trump won about, trying to think, maybe 2,600 counties. If you take the top thousand, you're getting into super majority status, meaning counties he won by at least 25 to 30 points, and then, you know, even 40, 50, 60 points. But yet, this is the only county I know of. There's probably a few more, but you're literally counting on your hands. I want you to think about what could have been had we had this movement in place. We're not fighting for hardcore conservatism anymore. You know, getting rid of the Great Society and FDR's programs. I mean, we, we are the most... I mean, Obamacare was expanded up the wazoo and all these stimulus bills. The amount of dependency spending empowerment of Democrat special interests that Republicans have... have voted for, oh, Daniel, what do you mean none of the Republicans voted for the stimulus bill? Yeah, but they voted for the first six bills, so they created this entire precedent. So yeah, God forbid will we fight any fiscal stuff. Yeah, that's gone. I'm talking about having three-year-olds going to nursery, breathing alive. This is the CBS affiliate in Parker County. DFW, well, DFW.CBSLocal. There were no social media posts, emails to parents, or hastily scheduled school board meetings at the Peaster Independent School District after Governor Greg Abbott announced the end to state mask orders last week. The rural school district in Parker County, northwest of Weatherford, so it's not even the whole county, it's one district, never made masks an issue for students or staff this year. Wear one or don't. It has not distanced students inside classrooms. No one has been placed into mandatory quarantine. Homecoming happened on schedule. The pancake dinner, fall festival, sports, and concerts all took place as planned. The result, according to Superintendent Lance Johnson, has been a higher enrollment in average daily attendance numbers ahead of last year. Johnson also said district data shows that students are on track to finish the school year on grade level, closing the learning gap that occurred when schools shut last spring. Our kids have thrived and our teachers have thrived, he said, and it's just been real eye-opening to see how we've done things different than other schools. Johnson has frequently found himself on the phone or in meetings with other school district leaders or legislative staff members interested in how the school district of about 1,400 students has managed an approach opposite to the conventional school health policies. He tells them there's no magic to it. It's real simple. We've just done it. It's not that difficult if you really put the needs of kids first. After the initial experience with virtual learning last year, the school district did what many districts did, surveying families on what type of learning they would be comfortable with. 55% indicated they would still send their children to school with masks and six feet of distancing were required at all grade levels. That jumped to 86% participation, though, if school were offered as close to the traditional model as possible. Our teachers and our school board and our community just stood in solidarity to say, you know what, we're going to do what's best for kids. And what's best for kids is having them in school learning in a traditional school model. Students returned on time in August. Um, and uh, there were no cases of COVID during the first 10 weeks of school. Cases did start occurring during the fall among students and staff. At least three reported cases by staff. That's nothing. Um... But again, that was during community spread. There were campus shutdown policies in place, but it was not used. There were just a dozen more teacher absences in the fall than during the same period in 2019. 
Nothing changed, basically. Now, they say the rural setting of Peaster may have offered an advantage. Johnson points out families still regularly travel into Weatherford and Fort Worth, however. So, there was travel back and forth. Um, and that's it. 18 months ago, what, what we're doing to kids would have been criminal. And here we are fighting going back to that model, fighting letting kids be kids and letting kids socialize and letting them have a normal school year. Imagine what could have been for nothing. Kids don't have a problem. Most staff members are younger too. If they are, they, they would make their own accommodations. The cases are certainly not above the level and timing of the community spread. It didn't make a difference. In other words, it's not that there's no people who test positive. It's just that they test positive in whatever profession or community they're in. There was no extra spread from schools being opened, and that includes being opened without the ritualistic, satanic moon dance and, and, and sun dance. This would have been a crime against humanity 18 months ago. And indeed, it still is today. Why didn't we have at least a thousand school districts like that? And really entire counties. Because I don't know what the other school districts did in Parker County. I don't know how many there are. Maybe there's only one or two others. But I have to assume that this was the only one that did this. You have the reddest of the red counties where you have the same degree of child abuse against our children than in the bluest of areas. It's because we have failed. We have failed as a movement. This is the movement I'm trying to create. That in every one of these counties, if something like this happens again, some equivalent thing, or it's still happening, I mean, we still got to fight it. This is likely our first major battle. We have a lot of them. This is one of the major ones, if not the first major battle. To fight with, with your legislatures, county commissioners, and school boards, superintendents. And again, this is a private campaign. Working student bodies, working parent bodies, working the officials, putting out information, publish, um, pushing legislation, publicizing the heroes, publicizing the zeros. That's what a good agitation group does. This, my friends, is the work cut out for us. This is what a minimum is. This is what a Liberty Strike Force team will do. So, folks, these are the sorts of action items we're going to create um, for the groups. Obviously, when you and your team leader and your state uh, form a group, you're free to do what you want and focus what you want. But the idea would be to focus on the important issues of our time. And again, to be clear, there's many, many issues. And certainly as I started the show with, when you juxtapose the masking of our children to the anarchy against the invaders of our border, well, that creates a whole bunch of other action items. You know, it's funny. They just announced the defense secretary, they're going to keep the National Guard in Washington until May 23rd, which means forever. It's the new 15 days to flatten the curve. Because here's the deal. When the inception of the policy is done under the guise of a lie and it's wrong, then it doesn't cost anything to keep extending it. Because, frankly, it's just as legitimate now as it was before. A.K.A. it's illegitimate. Same thing here. The masking and the lockdowns were never legitimate, so it's just as illegitimate or legitimate, continuing it. There's no difference. It's the new 15 days to flatten the curve. The National Guard is the new mask because it evinces an image of danger. There's right-wing terrorism. There's COVID. You have to fear us. You have to do what we tell you. You have to surrender your rights at a time when the National Guard should be at our borders. So again, another action item is every red state, the governor has to be beaten into submission until they commit to, to bringing back the National Guard if they haven't already and commit to never using them again for a similar circumstance. And then obviously the other thing that I talked about yesterday and I'm still pushing <clears throat> is this bill in Texas to have Texas construct the border wall. And we need to push a similar one in Arizona. I don't see anyone 
having done that, and then have every red state help fund it and crowdsource for it. That will force an inflection moment. Trump should get involved in that. That could be his big legacy. That would be a huge issue. Do you know it's gotten so bad that the Mexican government is warning about it? The, the President AMLO called Biden the migrant president. This is the first time when the Mexican government has been more pro-enforcement than America. It's kind of like what you're, you're, you're finding. A friend of mine, Dave Reboy, made an interesting point that the Muslim Brotherhood is thriving more in the West than it is in the Muslim countries. And it's, it's true. It's the same thing. There is more support for illegal immigration, immigration in the cartels than there is in Mexico. That, that's what has happened to Western society. It's become the, the masochism and the self-immolation has become a religion. So they're more pro-Islam than the Islamists. They're more pro-cartel than, than the Mexican government. They see him as the migrant president, and so many feel they're going to reach the United States. Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Abrador said, Abrador said of Biden on March 1st, we need to work together to regulate the flow because this business can't be tackled from one day to the next. And um, Reuters reports that Mexican gov- government officials say organized crime began changing its modus operandi from the day Biden took office and it's un- it, they're exhibiting unprecedented levels of sophistication. This includes briefing clients on the latest immigration rules, using technologies to outfox authorities, and disguising smuggling operations as travel agencies, assessments showed. Migrants have become a commodity, the official said, arguing they were now as valuable as drugs for the gangs. But if a packet of drugs is lost in the sea, it's gone. If migrants are lost, it's human beings we're talking about. And um, to avoid detection, migrants now often travel in small groups instead of caravans. I warned about that. And increasingly follow more dangerous, less well-trodden routes. We are actually seeing that because they're coming to funny parts of the border. Um, Del Rio, Big Bend, um, rural, um, rugged parts of the New Mexico and eastern Arizona border. Communicating via social media such as Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and YouTube, smugglers update migrants on impeding checkpoints when freight trains they can... Uh, jump on pass, where to stay, and how to navigate immigration laws. So we have a government that is so strong, it can mask our children, American children, but it can't do anything from all these poor, poor people coming over. Isn't it funny how they're so technologically savvy? It's kind of interesting. Folks, I just looked up today. Um, Guatemala's GDP per capita is about 4300 if you look at the number of countries that have equal or lower GDP per capita, it's 84 countries, 84 countries. I don't have an exact estimate, but eyeballing it, that's easily over a billion people. If these vermin believe that it is our responsibility to care for the entire world while beating down the American citizen, then let me tell you this. Don't we have an obligation to land boats and bring over everyone from those 84 countries? Okay? At least that way you cut out the kidnapping, the rape, the smuggling, the empowerment of the most evil drug cartels and smugglers, the human exploitation, right? I mean, at least you cut out the middleman. We'd be better off. Don't we have an obligation to do that? Why? Because someone uses an evil smuggler. Because someone has a land bridge to America. Why should they be better off? Why should Guatemala be better off than countries that aren't contiguous to America's border? What about the people that can't make the trip? But this is where we are. The Mexican government is now more concerned about the crime that Biden's wave is causing than we are. But again, I have my action items. We need teams to demand that Arizona and Texas start Again, it's expensive to build the whole wall, but at least start filling in the gaps. Remember we talked about that, that there's now gaps where they could access the roads that they didn't have before. <clears throat> um, also, I spoke with officials in the Cochise 
County Sheriff's Department yesterday. That's the northeastern, uh, southeastern corner of Arizona. Very rugged terrain. A lot of people don't realize that most of the fence that Trump constructed was replacement fence. Now, I'm not knocking it. A lot of it was necessary. Um, It was a lot easier to climb over that fence. But the point is, they ripped out that fence to build this. But in the meantime, there's nothing there. So it's worse off, meaning, whereas before, maybe you could climb over it, but you can't get a car over. I mean, it's, it's blocked. Now there's nothing there so they can get the cars over. And then once they're over, guess what? Now you have the access roads that they didn't otherwise have access to. And it was rugged terrain. So, you know, it's hard to navigate it if you didn't have a road. Another interesting thing that I heard is that they have a lot of areas where there's half infrastructure in the low waterbed areas. And what this means is when you don't complete it, you have like random cement sitting there. Around May, June is when they get these monsoons in the desert in South Arizona. It's going to wash it all away. So if you don't complete it now, it's going to be, you know, billions of dollars more expensive to do it later. You have to start from scratch again. And you have to deal with the waterbeds that wiped it out and uh, distorted the topography there. These are just basic things. They literally left it there. Left it. You have, you have infrastructure rotting there in the field. We need to pressure the Arizona and Texas legislatures to start at least constructing the areas to fill in the gaps. And then, you know, again, I don't think they should shoulder the whole burden. You get other states to have some sort of agreement, private crowdsourcing. A lot of people, a lot of Americans would donate a ton of money. We've seen that before. Unfortunately, some of that was grifting. But if this is done by, you know, Texas and Arizona governments, I think a lot of people would be willing to buy into it. So these are the sorts of action items we're going to push. A lot more I've left on the table as always, but I hope this show was informative and helpful to you. So now you understand a little bit more about what a uh, Liberty Strike Force team is, what it means to be a Minuteman, what we're trying to build. It's going to take some time. I'm just one man starting from almost nothing where we have a barren movement devoid of any legitimacy, we got to build it on our own. But first, this show needs to be a household name. We need to get more people to be active. So send CR Podcast to all your friends and relatives. Um, Let them know this is like no other show they've ever heard. The information is different. The focus is different. We look for solutions. We look to get active. We look to galvanize people. We look to make a difference because I know that's what all of you want. And by golly, as long as I have breath in my throat that's unmasked, I will try to deliver that. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.